so I think it's it's particularly timely that I'm I'm coming on your your podcast about being a troublemaker. So <laughs> I, I have made some waves. Uh, it's not that being that well received to kind of publicly criticize um, the party, but I chose the Green Party for that reason that I'm able to be an independent spokesperson for myself for my riding, um, as long as I'm being clear that it's my opinion. Welcome to the Trailblazers and Troublemakers podcast. I'm your host, Scott Costin. In October 2019, my guest made history by becoming the first Green Member of Parliament elected outside of British Columbia and the first female MP elected in Fredericton. Since then, she's used her seat in Parliament to raise the concerns of Indigenous people, advocate for better mental health resources, and sound the alarm about environmental degradation. Jenica Atwin, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. Happy to be here. So you're part of a very political family. Your father is the mayor of Oromocto. Your husband is an Oromocto First Nation band counselor, and your stepfather is a grand council chief. What's it like having so many elected officials in one family? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was just uh, hanging out with my my dad last night and, and my husband, and we said that, you know, we've, we've chosen this life of politics. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting at times. Um, we have great dinner conversations, you know, it's, uh, it's always lively and uh, you never know what, you, what, you were, what subject we're going to get to next, I guess. But, um, but it's, it's just kind of normal for me. Um, and really, politics is everywhere. So it's just it's really about standing up for the things that we care about, um, speaking out against the things that we see, uh, you know, are wrong. And we've been so fortunate to be, to be put in these positions where we can, you know, use our platform to hopefully encourage better things for our communities um, and for society as a whole. So um, I see it as a, as a benefit to our family that we're, you know, we we're connected in all these different ways and that we're passionate about these issues. Fredericton is a really interesting federal riding and I've, I've been there numerous times including in a former life when I was in the Canadian Army and spent a lot of time at uh, CFB Gagetown but uh, it's it's a provincial capital of course it's got several post-secondary institutions uh, but there's also some small towns some indigenous communities and as I mentioned the Canadian Armed Forces population can you describe your writing for people who have never been there and discuss how you've gone about representing it? Yeah, sure. So it's the best riding in Canada. <laughs> I know that might be disputed, um, but we are we are a river community. I think that's a really good way to, to start off with. Um, and so it's on unceded Holistokaliag territory. Uh, so people of the beautiful, bountiful river. We've got the north side. We've got the south side. Um, so we've got our kind of downtown core, but then we also have, as you mentioned, um, a lot of smaller communities that have their own important identity that, you know, I really, you know, make a priority in, in paying homage to that as well. So we've got Majorville, Sheffield, um, Gary, Burton, um, Lincoln, um, goes, you know, Pennyac, we've, we've got, you know, a, a nice spread and a nice diversity. And, um, you know, that's just the way I like it. I've been born and raised in this area. Um, so I went, went to Ormocto High School. I taught at Ormocto High School after that, taught at Fredericton High, um, you know, played sports in the area. So this, it's just really, um, it, it's kind of like small town, New Brunswick, but meets, uh, you know, a smaller city, but we have, a, I think, a, a big town feel with a lot of our live music and restaurants. And it's just, it's, it's an, a complete honor to be the member of parliament for Fredericton. Um, never in a million years did I really think that that would be the title that I would have. And it never gets old to hear the, you know, the speaker say, and the member from Fredericton. Um, and so I hope that never wears off, but it's a, it's a beautiful place. And um, as soon as uh, we can with health protocols, I hope people come and visit. 
Now, a year before being elected to the House of Commons, you ran in the New Brunswick provincial election, placing fourth. I'm wondering if you, was there anything you learned in that provincial campaign that helped you achieve success in the federal campaign? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it was more about what I learned about myself um, during that process. You know, shoestring budget, it was mostly my husband and I, as far as volunteers, you know, putting up our own signs, but it was about the experience. And it was about talking about issues in a way that people had never seen before, weren't used to seeing. Um, and just getting the feedback around that, people thanking me for saying, wow, you know, thank you for saying that, or thank you for bringing that perspective into play. Um, and that was really the goal for me. And so it kind of, you know, started the, the itch, I would say, to keep going. Um, and, you know, even though I knew that that wasn't a, a riding to win during that provincial election, um, I was really proud of the work that I put in. And it did elevate, um, you know, my name to, to a place where more people would, would, would hear of me as being politically engaged in that way. So it really, it very much led to, um, you know, my political run for the federal um, riding, but it, um, it was, it was personal growth. I would say that's the biggest thing that I learned, um, as well as navigating, you know, internal party politics as well, and all the kind of, uh, personalities that exist there. Um, but I, you know, I was very proud of, of the work that we put in and it, it inspired me to, to keep going and it, it grew my confidence. So I think that would be the biggest takeaway. The Green Party of Canada really seemed convinced it could take Fredericton last election. I remember seeing then leader Elizabeth May, in New Brunswick supporting you and the other candidates and and Fredericton really seemed to be one of the key efforts in the party's national strategy. Was there any kind of polling that you were seeing or even just anecdotal stuff on the ground that you were hearing that made you think that it was within your grasp? Yeah, I mean, even before that I was, uh, you know, nominated to be the candidate, it was showing as a potential toss up um, for the riding. So we knew that there was a strong green presence. A lot has to be, you know, given uh, to David Kuhn for his leadership on the provincial side. So we, we knew there was, you know, this was the time to, to really step out and, and be bold. Um, and, you know, the riding association was, was happy with the work that I did in the provincial election. It, it took a little bit of convincing actually to get me to be the candidate. Um, big, big riding, big commitment, obviously traveling back and forth uh, to Ottawa. Is, should I be elected was a major concern with my two little boys. Um, but ultimately, I'm very glad that I took the leap and decided to do it and, you know, haven't looked back since. Um, but there was a lot of factors at play. So certainly David Kuhn's leadership is, is a big piece of that. Um, but the back-to-back 100 year floods that we had experienced uh, in the Fredericton area previous to that was very much top of mind for, for many residents who had impacts of flooding who maybe lost their homes as well so climate change as a major issue was very much front and center uh, during that election period so that also had a lot to do with it um, and I think again it's just you know my approach was about listening to people we knocked on just about every door in this riding, uh, believe it or not, we had amazing volunteers to help us do that. But our conversations were around what are the issues that matter to you? It was never about kind of imposing my opinion or perspective onto people. And, and that approach alone, I think, had a major impact and people kind of, you know, sitting back and thinking, wow, you want to know what, what I actually think? And I absolutely do. And so we've carried that through to our work in the in the riding, you know, since being elected. But it's just about showing people respect. You know, a lot of people lose, lose faith, lose trust uh, in, in the government and in their elected officials. And I wanted to return some of that, you know, and just be, uh, you know, true to who I am and, and show them that there can be integrity in their representation. Okay, so when you won in 2019, it was an extremely tight three-way contest. It might have been the tightest one in the, the country. You received 33.7% of the vote, the Conservative got 30.4%, and the incumbent Liberal garnered 27.4%. Uh, 
Meanwhile, the NDP candidate trailed way behind and forth with just under 6% of the vote. In your opinion, is it fair to say the Greens, which also have three seats provincially, have replaced the NDP as the third party of choice in New Brunswick? Yeah, yeah, I would certainly agree with that statement. Um, <clears throat> just some things that happened. I mean, obviously, um, Dominic Cardi's exit and, you know, becoming a, a conservative cabinet minister um, had something to do with that. But for, yeah, the, the NDP kind of growth staved off over the last few years, and it really seems to now be uh, green as, as the third party. Um, and I certainly respect uh, the NDP party. I've got some great friends in Ottawa um, on the federal side. And so it's, um, you know, Progressive voices are important to me, regardless of which party that they represent. Um, but it's 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 great to see that the Greens really have emerged as that is that third option. Changing gears, I want to ask you about the COVID nineteen pandemic. As someone who worked in education before winning office, what effect do you think this has had on children, students? Uh, you know, what what's your assessment of that? Uh, that's a good question. And, and I've been thinking so much about the children and in, in youth and particularly around mental health impacts. Um, but I think initially the kids were, were very resilient. They, you know, they were willing to go along with, with the different changes and the, and the health measures that were put in place. Um, but then, you know, COVID fatigue sets in. I think we've all got a little bit of that. And I, I started to see it more and more, even on my own, my own children, um, just the impacts of just wanting to go back to the way things were, you know, that return to normalcy, um, which we probably won't ever have. Uh, so we have to kind of accept that as well. But, you know, and, and thinking about young teens as well, it's just important for us to interact with with other people outside of our family, outside of our bubble. Um, I think about just important adults in their in their lives at school, it could be the guidance counselor, could be the gym teacher, um, anybody that's just another person that they can lean on, that they can go to. And, and when we had the lockdowns in particular, that was a big piece that was missing. Um, but even still, it's hard to get back to that, that sense of, you know, of that wraparound support that kids were used to getting because there's just so much more, you know, measures in place to keep us distant and apart. And so I am seeing, uh, you know, an impact. And of course, more kids are turning to social media more for their social engagement. And, and that in and of itself, I think, has, has raised some alarms for me. Um, I'm just worried about the trends that we're seeing and how much time kids are spending online. And it's coinciding with also a mental health crisis. So there's, there's an issue that's only been exacerbated from COVID, um, but a lot of it has to do obviously with that isolation piece and, and the uncertainty, you know, what is, what is this next phase going to look like? What does it look like post post pandemic? Um, and, you know, us adults don't have the answers, so neither do the kids. So there's just that, that sense of uneasiness because of the unknown is, is very much unknown at this point. And what about for yourself, Jenica? I mean, you, you had four or five months, I guess, of uh, pre-COVID tenure as a member of parliament. And then of course the pandemic came. How has it affected your ability to do your job as a member of parliament? Yeah, so I'm very, like, I feel fortunate to have had that five month period just to get a handle on things. Um, you know, the onboarding experience with the House of Commons and get used to it. And, you know, I, I love being in that chamber. Um, to be honest, I can't wait to get back. I've got my vaccine appointment for tomorrow. So hopefully once the numbers go down, I can be there physically. Um, but I went as much as I could before things got really bad in Ontario. So I haven't been there physically since October. Um, but before that, I was driving as much as I could um, to be the rep for the Green Party because I was just concerned for Elizabeth and Paul having to do so much flying. Um, it was, it's much more of a stress for them to 
to get there than it was for me. So, um, and I really enjoy the drive to Ottawa as well. So I, I, I try to be there physically as much as possible and I'm really enjoying the, the virtual element. And I hope that that's here to stay for quite some time. There's a lot of benefits to that for say young parents, anyone who may be immunocompromised, worried about their health, anyone from more remote or rural regions. So there's ways that we've adapted that I hope stays as well. Um, but I'm certainly, you know, very much looking forward to getting back and being there physically as much as possible. But on the constituency side, it's been wonderful to spend this much time in my riding um, and using Zoom, uh, you know, most of the time we can actually stack up meetings more than we would have been. So I'm actually interacting at a level that I would say is, 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 is more effective than I was before because I'm just able to be present um, either online or physically when, when no one measures allow. So it's been about adapting. It's been a steep learning curve, but I'm thankful for some of the ways that I'm able to, to learn um, throughout this experience and things that I will certainly take with me um, post-pandemic as well. Now, you're one of the younger MPs, and I'm wondering, do you see um, coming out of this the possibility of using technology more efficiently? So, for example, something that comes to my mind is traditionally when members vote, um, you know, in the House of Commons, they, they stand up in their place, they're counted, and it's, there's, a, there's a symbolism to it where you're, you're standing up and, and, and being seen to, to take your position but it's very time consuming, especially when there's numerous votes. I don't have to tell you that. Um, would you be in favor of some kind of electronic voting at your seat, even when COVID is, is no longer an issue or any other types of technological changes? Yes, I think I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that stay because it is time consuming, especially now we're entering, you know, a five, a five week sitting session where we have multiple votes that will be happening and, you know, it, it takes some time and with our digital format, it's about 10 minutes per vote now, uh, which is down from about an hour per vote when we were doing it virtually by the roll call. Um, and then in the house, it's probably about 20 minutes, perhaps, to go through everybody's name. So it's, I mean, we've got lots to, lots of work to do and, uh, you know, time is precious. So I think I would definitely be in favor of, of even from our seats, having that, that digital option. Um, it, it's been a, been a great way just to speed up the process. Now, you had your first private member's bill reach first reading last month. It calls for a ban on glyphosate. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Uh, can, can you explain what this substance is and why it should be outlawed? Yeah, sure. Um, so, and, and the private member's bill is very simple. Um, it's just to update the, the Pest Control Act and to ban it in, in all of its uses across the country. Um, and this really stems from a grassroots movement from New Brunswick, um, which is, you know, tens of thousands of New Brunswickers have, have been standing up against uh, you know, the use of glyphosate for quite some time, particularly around forestry applications. So we know it's also used um, agriculturally throughout the country, um, but you know, really it was about how it's being used in New Brunswick that inspired me to, to table this bill. Um, so it's creating monocultures, um, it's, it's eliminating our hardwood uh, to, you know, allow for softwood uh, trees to con continue the the pulp and paper industry, you know, and, and the monopoly that is enjoyed in our in our beautiful province. Um, it's 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 limiting habitat for for many of our important species as well. Um, and that's you know that's outside of the potential health concerns that are starting to emerge. There's more studies being done. Um, so for me, it's just about ensuring that we're doing our due diligence to be a hundred percent certain that it's safe 
And if it's not, then we need to act. So it's about shedding light on the issue. It's about, you know, elevating some of the voices who have been very vocal about this for quite some time. Um, and really just doing my part as far as representing Fredericton, because there are so many of my constituents who have made this one of their top issues. Um, it's a health issue, you know, above all. So really that's, um, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm proud to, to do what I said I was gonna do. And I told them, you know, during election, I will table a private member's bill to, to ban glyphosate. Is this the pesticide that's applied by planes, like from an airborne? I, I remember reading this and this has been used in Nova Scotia here as well. You know, is, is it specifically used by the, the forestry industry? Is that the primary application of it? Um, so it, very much so. It's also used on federal lands. So uh, CFB Gagetown would also be using it as well as a defoliant. Um, MB Power, so for the power lines, to, so for thinning of the foliage um, to ensure that, you know, less work will be done as far as, uh, you know, silviculture goes. So um, it's very much to make their 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 processes easier, perhaps more cost effective. Um, but I'd rather see, you know, human beings doing that work as far as, uh, you know, if it's especially if it's a safer way of doing it. Um, and just all of those implications that I talked about as far as the monocultures that very much needs to be looked into. It's, not, you know, we want healthy forests here in New Brunswick. It's our it's our livelihood. And I think it's we're standing up for all of the people when we stand up against some of these, you know, industry giants, uh, Irving, you know, it's like Voldemort. We don't usually say the name, but I'll say it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's looking at how it's been used and questioning that process. And is there a better way? Recently on Twitter, you were highly critical of your party's statement on the escalation of violence in the Middle East. And I'm just going to quote here. You wrote on, on Twitter, it is a totally inadequate statement. Forced evictions must end. I stand with Palestine and condemn the unthinkable airstrikes in Gaza and apartheid, end quote. Now, first of all, I want to commend you because I think this is absolutely the proper stance to take. But I'm wondering, did you receive a rebuke from Annamie Paul, your leader, or anyone else in the party for speaking out like that? So I think it's it's particularly timely that I'm I'm coming on your your podcast about being a troublemaker. So <laughs> I, I have made some waves. Uh, it's not that being that well received to kind of publicly criticize um, the party, but I chose the Green Party for that reason that I'm able to be an independent spokesperson for myself for my riding um, as long as I'm being clear that it's my opinion um, and and so I kind of exercised that right because I was very worried about the reputation of the party um, having the the statement that was issued officially um, by our leader and by the comms department so um, well, in some of that is, has yet to be seen. We're still kind of working out the issue internally. Um, they're not pleased with me, what, but that's, you what's, know. What, sorry, sorry, Jenica. <laughs> so what's, what's yet to be seen, a, a punishment or, or something or, or, or what do you, can you just elaborate on that? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I, being an, a newer MP, I, I'm not sure what the process will look like. Um, and I haven't been punished as of yet. I haven't received any kind of formal uh, slap on the wrist or anything like that. So I'm still kind of waiting. Um, but I, I mean, I hope that they can see that really, I think our role is to stand up for human rights um, and to be vocal when we need to be vocal and to, to show that leadership. And that's what I was doing. So certainly not meant to, uh, you know, offend anyone in particular. Um, and it was, it was meant to just call out, uh, you know, the way that I, sh I felt our party should have um, called out the issue um, to be very clear, be very direct. So um yeah, it's just, and I, it, it's kind of come to expect this from me. I'm, you know, I've, I've voted against my, my other caucus members on certain issues as well. But again, that's why I chose this party so that I could be free. We're not whipped. We're allowed to have our own opinions. So 
I showed what that looks like. Um, and perhaps, you know, Twitter is just, it's quite a volatile place and, you know, not everybody was happy with the move, but ultimately I feel it was for my constituents. It was for the party members across the country and, and I stand by what I did. Okay. Now, speaking of anime, Paul, there has been a series of stories in the Toronto Star regarding allegations of, I guess you'd call it intractability by some party officials and with, with hints of potential racism behind it, mm -hmm. um, that they're kind of obstructing Annamie Paul from, from doing her job or exercising her authority as leader. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is, that? is that a source of concern for you? Well, so I've, I've, I've very much kind of stepped back from any of the, you know, like the, there's a federal council, the fund, I really don't get involved in any of, any of that kind of internal conversation. But I will say it's important that we look at all of our institutions, um, including political parties and, and seek out where there where there could be systemic racism, where there could be overt racism. And I would, you know, be very blunt in saying that it exists everywhere. Um, and I invite that conversation. And, and it, I think it's incumbent on us, especially as the Green Party, to ensure that that's not happening. Um, and so, and, and Annamy knows that we're behind her. You know, we stand in solidarity with her as our leader. Um, we're, we were giving her the space that she needs to, to really take the reins and, and fill the, the big shoes of Elizabeth May, which might be really difficult to do as well. So, um, you know, I, I I've just been clear that I believe that, again, every party will have those issues um, and, and she knows she has our support in, in, in dealing with what may be happening, but I don't have any firsthand knowledge of any of that. Um, and it, it's disappointing, of course, to see, you know, the party, uh, you know, in the media in, in such a negative way. But again, if it's getting that conversation going, then that, that's a good thing. On your website, it says you help to revive the all party mental health caucus. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. So that is something that's been um, a source of strength for me throughout this whole, whole experience as well. Um, and it comes from MP Majid Jowry. So he's a, a liberal MP and he was part of the, the previous mental health caucus um, in, the, in the previous parliament. And it kind of fizzled out, which is really you know surprising considering mental health is such a concern right now. It's, it's my number one priority. Um, so he approached me after a conversation with Elizabeth because she knew that I would be interested. And yeah, he and I got together, talked about who else we could approach from other parties and, and very much ha have revived it. Now we have regular meetings. I've got a meeting tomorrow actually with our, with our caucus group. Um, and we're very much action oriented as well. It's not just for us to go talk in an, in an echo chamber we really want to make sure that there's there's solid actions that are coming out of it. So we're looking at um, pushing direct funding for organizations um, who, who work with mental health in our communities, because that's the biggest issue that we're hearing after, you know, having multiple conversations with stakeholders, not-for-profit groups that they need consistent funding because they do have solutions. Solutions exist to a lot of the problems that we're seeing around mental health access, but they need the funding. So that's just one action that we're taking, um, but also awareness, you know, ending the stigma um, and just showing that cross-party collaboration on such an important issue. I think that in and of itself is important for Canadians to see. So um, yeah, I'm just so proud of our caucus and just shout out to all my all my other caucus team members. Um, Gore Johns, NDP, he's he's on our party or in the caucus as well. Um, Yara Sachs from the, the, the newly elected um, Liberal from, from Toronto as well. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's been a great place. Uh, Dr. Kutcher, he's a Senator as well. Um, former psychologist brings a lot of that, you know, clinical experience, which is really important for us. So it's it's been great. Well, speaking of your fellow MPs, um, what would be something that they would be surprised to learn about you? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, well, I think if you Google my name, it shows that I, you know, used to play a fair bit of poker back in the day. And uh, I find that that comes up every now and then in conversation and people are quite surprised. But um, yeah, I mean, I, it shouldn't be that surprising that you need a good poker face to, to join politics. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> and I think I was asked, you know, what would be your ideal, you know, poker table to, to deal with? And I picked all those leaders. And I think that, you know, I, with my skills, I might be able to, to take them down as well. <laughs> I imagine bluffing skills would also be uh, handy in politics too, wouldn't they? Well, you know, and I was never a big bluffer. I think it's okay. always that people, people underestimated my, my skill level. And I think that still comes in handy. Okay. So, Janica, you've announced uh, that you'll be running again when the next federal election is called. And given how tight things were, as we, we discussed, given how tight things were in 2019, how confident are you that you can keep Fredericton green? Well, you know, so I just feel like my work should speak for itself. We were we were so riding focused. Uh, we wanted to deliver for people. We wanted to help people. Um, and so we've had actually a lot of feedback with individuals who have come to my office for, you know, you name it, CRA, unemployment, you know, Phoenix pay system issues. Um, and we've worked so hard to resolve those cases um, that we've had a lot of people say, wow, you know, I've, I've never thought I'd vote for Green, but here I am. You know, you've got my support from the work that you did for me. Um, so I'm hoping that that momentum can continue and we'll see, you know, a good result. But I know that I, I did everything that I promised I was going to do. Um, I, I stayed, you know, steadfast on the issues that were were my priority in the in the election period, and they maintained uh, as my priority throughout this this tenure so far. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'll hold my head up high. I, I know that I, I did what I could. So, whatever the result is, um, I'm proud of my team and I'm proud of of what I was able to accomplish. But um, we'll have to have to see. The proof will be in the pudding, I guess. Okay. And and on that note, if you did win a second term, what would your priorities be personally as, as the MP for, for Fredericton? So very much the same healthcare, mental health, you know, those issues aren't going away anytime soon. We really need an increase in health transfer payments here in New Brunswick uh, for every region in, in the country, but our demographics just require that. So that's a big one for me. I'll continue to, to push that issue. Um, absolutely want to see mental health enshrined in the Canada Health Act as well. So it's given the, the priority um, earmarked dollars as well that it deserves. Um, obviously continuing for, you know, fighting for Indigenous rights and reconciliation, um, big, big ones for me. Um, and environment, you know, can't, can't leave that out. But for me, all those things are connected. Um, so to continue to, to push those, those top three and they, they'll, that will stay the same. Well, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Jenica. I want to thank you again for taking the time and best of luck in the next election whenever it comes. Oh, great. Thank you so much. It was, it was wonderful chatting with you. That wraps up this episode of the Trailblazers and Troublemakers podcast. Thanks very much for listening in. If you have any feedback for us, you can send an email to trailtroublepod at gmail.com. And please follow us on Twitter at trailtroublepod. Hope you'll join us next time. Bye for now.